Hey, I'm telling you, this, this series that we just started last week, in fact, Pastor Nate kicked us off last week, our next-gen pastor. He did an amazing job. And uh, there is no doubt that we have been living through a couple of years in, in our country and in many of our lives, if we're honest, that have felt very chaotic. Uh, and, and when we see Jesus show up in that chaos, when we begin to understand that, that Jesus, in fact, has something to say about everything we deal with in life, that's when we begin to find freedom, we begin to find life as it was meant to be. And we're in First Peter uh, for the next few weeks, and that's really where we're digging in. And so today, we're looking at the idea uh, from First Peter 1 that good news grows. Can you say that with me? Good news grows. Like, we know bad news goes viral often. We know often that bad news drives ratings. We know that often it's the bad news that people want to hear about, but it's actually good news that has a way of growing and really making a difference. In 1 Peter 1, verse 25, actually, I'm going to start kind of with the end in mind here. At the end of verse 25, it says, And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This word, the word of the gospel, the word of God is the good news that was preached to you. And that good news grows. As I said, Pastor Nate did a fabulous job last week getting us going and, and preaching and sharing that good news. We hope it continues to grow. Amen? I, I've been sharing and, and delivering God's word now for a couple of decades in different settings and different venues and different formats. And, and I thought I'd share with you my most embarrassing moment today as a preacher. <laughs> you all ready? Now you're listening, right? About five, six years ago, our ministry uh, had been through kind of a chaotic time. It, it, we had experienced some challenges, some difficulties. God was faithful through that, and that's what I can attest to without a doubt, is no matter what you're going through, our God is faithful and good. And we saw his goodness and faithfulness, and, and in the middle of the chaos, Jesus was meeting us. And, and we said, okay, we're actually feeling like God wants us to take a risk this year. And so our, our smaller church at the time decided to rent the local college auditorium for Resurrection Sunday for Easter. We sent out mailers, we, we put up billboards, we did all the things, and God answered, and the place was absolutely packed. It was the largest crowd that we had ever seen or experienced as a church. And we were excited because the focus was on Jesus, the focus was on even an opportunity to have baptisms as a part of the service. And so it was a little chaotic figuring out how to set up in a college auditorium and to do all of those things. And, and during it, there was a mic check, and they had told me and assured me that, that they had my mic under control, that, that in fact, don't worry about it. You don't need to turn it off. You don't need to mute it. We'll mute you. We got you, okay? <laughs> so, so the service starts. There's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people there. And uh, I come out after a little bit of the worship. I do a welcome. And, uh, you know, the welcome, you know, happens. And, and I go backstage, and then our skit, our, our Easter play begins. And as it begins, it's kind of like lights dim, very dramatic, theatrical kind of moment. The actors and actresses are out there. And, and so I slip into the bathroom. And I decide, you know, I, thankfully it wasn't a very... Um, Noisy experience, but it was noisy enough. 
And so I, I go to the bathroom, and somewhere in the middle of it, I have this thought, and I believe it was Jesus meeting me in the chaos. <laughs> your mic might be on. Don't wash your hands. Don't flush. Now, I believe the Lord cares about hygiene, but I also believed he cared deeply about me in that moment. So I, I come out and uh, kind of look around, and I'm trying to gauge his has anything happened? Is anyone laughing? Is anything? And, and there was nothing, nothing. And so we went right into the, the finish of the play. I shared the gospel. People responded. We baptized 16 people that day. And it was phenomenal how Jesus showed up in that. So we pack up. We get, I get to my house, and there's 30 people around the, the dinner table for Easter. And, and I, I finally have a moment to breathe, and I sit down, and it's really quiet. And my sister-in-law, love her, if you're watching right now, hey, uh, she, like nobody else, just waited for the perfect timing and said, hey, did you go to the bathroom after the welcome? And literally everyone lost it. And I was mortified because I realized for the first time my mic was on when I was in that bathroom. Most embarrassing moment I've ever had. Almost a thousand people heard me that day. <laughs> and not in the ways you hope for as a preacher and as a speaker. Now I share that to say what was interesting is for the next few years, that story would come up every once in a while. People would laugh or, or you know, would make a joke with me, that kind of thing. Uh, and I'm very OCD about my mic today. It is always off if I'm not up here. Uh, but, but I'll tell you what was more interesting was it wasn't that that really grew that day. It was actually what God did in that room. It was the baptisms. It was the way people showed up. It was the invitation to find and follow Jesus that actually was the good news that grew. I, I was more, I was, you know, you ever had that moment where you're like, I'm sure this is going to be on social media or in the paper? It didn't happen. It was the good news that grew. And we need sometimes to be reminded that even though it's often the bad news in our world that goes viral and often drives ratings, that if we as the people of God will embrace the good news and share it, that's actually what our world needs and that's actually what will grow. Let's take a look at this a little bit further. In 1 Peter, as we're getting into this and diving deeper, it's good news. It's the good news of a God who has shown up in the form of Jesus. It's written by an author, Peter, who's one of the early apostles. And he's writing to people that, that are facing chaos. They're facing difficulty. In fact, 1 Peter is a book that really is about finding Jesus even in our suffering. And so there's an author, N.T. Wright, that says this about Peter, who authors this book. He says, Peter can be lauded for his role as a successful organizer of the early churches, a mission strategist to Jews and Gentiles, and a bridge builder among factional divides. First Peter was written to exhort Christians in Asia Minor to maintain their faith in the midst of, check this out and tell me this doesn't sound familiar, to maintain their faith in the midst of social scorn, shaming, slander, and stigma. Sound familiar to the day and age we live in? Peter encourages the believer to hold fast. In God's eyes, they are precious, royal, and holy. 
This is good news that Peter is giving us today. And let's look at the next few verses. We're going to pick up in verse 13. He says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you're taking notes, the good news, first and foremost, is hope and holiness is ours. That actually what it's saying is because of who Jesus is, we have hope. Because of who Jesus is in us, his holiness is available to us. And for some of us, the word holiness might carry some baggage. If you've been around church for a while, you may have grown up in an era where holiness had a scorecard or a report card. Anybody? Where, where actually it was a list of don'ts more than do's. And here's the thing, when we get close to Jesus and we begin to realize that hope is in him, hope in fact is a confident expectation. If you're looking for a definition, don't we need hope today? It's a confident expectation of who God is and what he's able to do. And holiness then is being set apart to be different and to realize that that holiness comes from God and when we're Focused on him, he then redefines how we live. He then defines, in fact, our purpose, our community, and what we're a part of. Now, maybe you noticed, and I tried to emphasize it a little bit in verse 13, sober-minded. Peter will mention being sober-minded three times in the book of 1 Peter. It's almost as if he knows that our mind is often where the junk starts. Anybody? It's almost like he knows that if we're going to fix our mind and we're actually going to have hope and holiness, that we've got to actually deal with our minds to be sober-minded. So I want to unpack this for a minute because it really, we we live in a day and age where you'll you'll see the word mindfulness out there. Anybody? Y'all, it's okay. Okay. We're here together. You're actually at Pathway Church right now, whether you're online or in person. I see you. (laughs) You see me. So mind renovation is different than mindfulness or even meditation in an Eastern sense. See, mind renovation is what Scripture talks about, that we need a mind that is fixed on his hope and is being renewed, which then leads to, to holiness. So let's look at this for a minute here. Because I'll be the first to admit my, dri- my mind can drift really fast. I had an experience over the last couple of weeks where my mind in one day, over two meals with my wife, got to a very dark place. Ooh, buddy. Anybody? Like, like you're at a meal and before you know it, your mind is somewhere it hasn't been in a few years? You begin to get hopeless, the chaos begins to take you over, you get down, you get discouraged, you're ready to give up. We need a mind renovation, and our God is able, that's the good news, because that's what happened to me is, yeah, there were two meals where my mind started to drift and to go to places that weren't good, 
To be clear, I didn't sin, okay, but I sure was tempted. And it was at the end of that day that God showed up when somebody actually came over and, and Jesus met us in our chaos as they spoke life over us and prayed over us as a couple. And Cindy and I will tell you, it was a breakthrough. Y'all, we got to get real for a minute, right? To say that we need Jesus to show up in our chaos. That sometimes our mind might be the problem. So here's three things to think about with mind renovation very quickly. The first is don't get choked out. Those of you that are familiar with MMA, there's a, you know, you can not just get knocked out, you can get choked out. Don't get choked out is what scripture tells us in regards to our mind. Mark 4, 19 says this, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Right now, you may be facing a flood of thoughts and even maybe having trouble focusing today. Don't get choked out. Don't miss what God has for you. Let that mind renovation begin with God's word. Secondly, was we need to get vertical. We need to get vertical. When the horizontal, when the chaos, when the mess begins to mess with our minds, the best thing we can do is go vertical. And begin to remind ourselves who God is and what he's able to do. Listen to what Colossians 3 says, verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I got to tell you, sometimes the news we ingest, the social media we ingest, the gossip conversations we ingest, the media we ingest is more for our minds to handle than we even realize. Some of you have been down and discouraged for a very long time, and it is time to get vertical. It's time to say, I got to let go of this stuff, and I'm going to fix my mind on God and who he is. If you're spending two minutes with God and 20 minutes with your best news or social media, which is winning? We need more of him. We need to get vertical. The third thing with our mind renovation is to actually receive and to renew. Romans 12 says it this way, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Say that with me, transformed transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Saying, present yourself to God. Receive all that he has for you. Let your mind be transformed and renewed. And I think the older we get, sometimes the harder that is. But that's part of what the gospel does. It's, it's good news that invites us back to say, no matter where we've been, what we've done. Jesus is there saying, you're welcome. Come to me. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And I want to renew and transform your mind. Some of us, though, have been living with garbage in our house. When we moved to Florida, I'm from Michigan, we have basements, we have garages. We're allowed in Michigan to keep our trash outside. Where I live, 
I can't put my trash outside. It's in my garage. Y'all, my garage has never smelled so bad. Some of you can give me some tips later on how to solve that thing. We're trying to figure it out right now. But we aren't meant to live with our trash. It doesn't just smell, but it, all, it almost becomes nauseating. And the reality is that, that some of us are living with some of the trash that the world has to offer. And I believe Jesus is saying, listen, bring it to me. Let it go. Let me clean it up. Let me do something new in your mind and in your heart. We weren't meant to live with garbage. So he goes on and he gives us some more hope. Not just that there's hope and holiness and it's ours, but he reminds us in the next few verses how this occurs, how this happens, which is really, really good news that grows because it isn't dependent on our abilities. It isn't dependent on our self-righteousness. It isn't dependent on our works or our abilities. Do you know that pride and self-righteousness are one of the greatest barriers to God growing in our life? I'll be the first to admit that I struggle with pride. And I'm asking God to do something with it because I don't want it to get in the way of what he wants to grow in my life. So verse 17. What a beautiful, amazing God we serve. He says, if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deed, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. That's our time here on earth. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him, not through your good works, not through our abilities, but through him, are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. The good news that grows is that we have ransom and resurrection and it's ours. Jesus has paid the price. He has ransomed his life for ours. Let that sink in for a minute. Maybe, maybe that's got too familiar. Maybe that's good news that you forgot how good it really is. Because our God did what we could not do. When somebody is... In that day and age, they were sold into slavery or there was a kidnapping that occurred and they're in bondage. A ransom would be paid to redeem them and to pull them out. Our God looks at you and I and sees us as sinners, which by the way, maybe you've heard that, that all sin is equal. Anybody? It is. But the consequences of our sins are not equal. And sometimes the chaos we live in is because of the sin that is in us or around us. And Jesus says, listen, I know you're a sinner, but I love you. I love you so much 
that I'll come and ransom myself. I will die for your sins. His blood shed was the sacrifice that covers our sins. And that is incredible news that we need every day. That we need to be reminded that when we are prideful, when we are self-righteous, when we do fall into dark ways, when we are living with trash in our house, there is a God that says, don't forget I've ransomed you. Don't forget I have better for you. Don't forget that because I was resurrected, I'm going to resurrect you. That every time the devil starts to tempt us and to say that no, you, that's, that, that old life is what you were meant for, that Jesus shows up and says, no, I've ransomed you. I've been resurrected. I want to repurpose you. I have better for you. That is good news that grows. And as it grows in us, it grows through us. Think of, think of what God does when he looks at you and I who, if we're humble enough to admit, are not worthy for the God of the universe to do what we couldn't do. For the God of the universe to say, hey, I, won't, I don't want to just save you one time and, and, and rescue you and ransom you to go to heaven. I want to save you every day that you'll come to me. That every day in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your marriage, in your friendships, in all of these places and spaces where you're struggling in chaos and in a mess, Jesus is there. He has ransomed you and his resurrection life is available. When I tell you that my wife and I had a hard, some of you are like, man, did he tell her? I didn't. I didn't tell her I was going to share this story. She's going to be all right. Because the story isn't about us, it's about a God who shows up with resurrection power. And I can't even explain what happened, but just a couple of minutes of someone speaking life and a couple of minutes of someone praying over us and Jesus showing up in that resurrected us. And what I didn't tell you, we were on our 20th anniversary vacation. Chaos had shown up. It will show up anywhere. Can I get an amen? amen? And our God is available in those moments. He wants to ransom and rescue and resurrect us. He has more for us. About a month ago, uh, I always like to kind of see what's going on in the world, right? Like not ingesting it, but just kind of paying attention. So about a month ago, uh, there was actually uh, the Met Gala, this, this big event that draws artists. And uh, some of you are like, oh, really? He watched that? No, I didn't. I just saw the news story about it. <laughs> and what I saw was, was there was actually an artist who had found another artist, who found another artist, who worked together who actually went into a thrift store and found a quilt. And they took this quilt and they rescued it. They redeemed it. They repurposed it. And this artist, ASAP Rocky, shows up wearing a quilt over his tuxedo. The world took notice. The world talked about it, especially when they realized that that quilt now had a value that no one understood when it was donated to that thrift store. That's a worldly example. Do you realize that you and I are meant to be those people that say on a daily basis, 
our God has found us. He has rescued us. He has redeemed us. He has resurrected us. He has repurposed us. And now we have greater value. And the world needs to hear that message. A God who says you are of worth and value and I have more for you. And that is good news that grows and really is contagious. Amen? Let's look at this last part here. Towards the end of the text for today, verse 22. He says, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Our mission as a church, real briefly, is to love God and love all people in our pathway. We want to love those that God is putting in our pathway. Holiness is not just between you and the Lord. Holiness is how you love others, how you show up in relationships. Let me read on. It says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh, he's quoting Isaiah 40 here, all flesh is like grass, and it's all glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. He's saying, listen, pay attention, because everything that's around you will fade and fall All the chaos, all the things that tries to weigh us down and get us off track, all of these earthly temporal things will fade. But the word of God, the good news of Jesus Christ will last forever. It says, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away, chapter 2, I'm going to read just two verses. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Good news grows. And because of that, we're seeing here that we're born again into holy living. You see, when Jesus ransoms us and rescues us, when his resurrection life shows up, it changes and transforms us. To be born again, if you're taking notes, you could read John chapter 3. There's a religious leader, Nicodemus, who asked the question, how would I be born again? I can't go back into my mother's womb. Jesus says you're misunderstanding. It's not a natural birth. It's a spiritual birth. That in fact, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us need Jesus. And this spiritual birth literally changes us from the inside out. When we receive Jesus, he births us spiritually again. That is my deepest desire for us as a church, is for us to to be a people that are born again into holy living. Not that we just show up every Sunday and go through the motions, that we get enough of a word to get through the week, which have you noticed that it's never enough anymore? Like as good as today might be, by Tuesday, you're going to forget about it. Some of you by 3 o'clock this afternoon, right? Like it may not be good enough to carry us, and that's because Jesus was meant to carry us. That in fact, when we're born again, his spirit is put inside of us. 
The spirit of the living God. Think about that for a minute the next time you're tempted to live with trash. If you're his, he's with you, and he's participating in that trash as well. Goodness, that's convicting, isn't it? And so our hope would be, my heart would be, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've been around religion and church but never received Jesus, start there today. Receive the gospel and the good news and let it grow. Realize that showing up to church is meant to only lead you to Jesus. Jesus is the thing. We want you to have an opportunity, whether it's online with our chat host or here in person with one of our prayer partners, to pray and to receive Jesus, to be born again, to be changed and transformed. And when we are changed and transformed, that new life that God gives us begins to move through us into this holy living. The results in three things that we see here. 1 Peter 1, 22 to 25, he's saying that that holiness will be a sincere love for our brethren, for our brothers and sisters. And I'm going to just sit in this for a minute. Like, when is the last time that you actually thought about how you're treating other people? When is the last time that you turned off the news and social media that were ripping and tearing down and really destroying the other? Because let's be honest, a lot of what our world feeds on is tearing down the other. However that political party you view differently, however you view that other group of people, we live in a world that tears down. And yet here it says that part of the big three, part of growing in holiness, is having a sincere love for brothers and sisters. And that's bigger than Pathway Church. That's how you treat your coworkers, your neighbors. That's how you treat other people that attend other churches. You know what I want more than anything? Pathway Church in Vero Beach? That we would love our brothers and sisters in other churches. That we wouldn't be threatened or competitive. That we would know that if God blesses them and blesses us, the kingdom wins and the church, Big C, is growing. So let's love our brothers and sisters. And the only way to do that is through Jesus flowing. Secondly, is repentance from sin. We can't grow in holiness if we can't be honest about our own stuff. Repentance means to confess and to turn a new direction, to turn back towards Jesus. This is between you and the Lord. But I'm just going to tell you, there is no way to grow with the Lord if repentance and confession aren't a part of your regular living. If you're, in a, if you're unable to go to Jesus and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. If you're unable to go to others and say, sorry, forgive me because of what God did, I'm willing to forgive you. There's a blockage there. We have to be a people that is willing 
to receive and to repent from our sin. And third, there should be a desire for spiritual growth. If you're content and comfortable in your faith, I challenge you today to say no. God, give me a hunger and thirst for you. Because when we get hungry to grow spiritually, when we say whatever it takes, if I need to read the Bible daily, if I need to show up to a men's group or a women's group, if I need to commit to being at church more often, if I need to serve, whatever that might be, when we make that commitment, that desire for spiritual growth is one of those outflows of holy living. And I hope and believe that that's going to grow here at Pathway. Amen? Amen? So let me ask you, what are you more like in this season? Are you more like a butterfly? Are you more like a botanist? Or are you like a bee? You see, butterflies float around and they look really cute, right? And they hop around, maybe from service to service, maybe even from church to church. And they flutter and they look great, but they really aren't adding true value. A botanist, they study what's happening. They, they can dig in and they can study and they can explain it, but there may not be anything really being left or a value added. But you know what a bee does? A bee goes and finds the good and then takes it and adds it and begins working. You've heard the term worker bee? God wants each of us to embrace what it means to let good news grow through us. He wants to use you this week. He wants to flow through you this week. There are going to be people in Publix or somewhere else that are going to show up in your chaos and Jesus is going to say, I want you to share the good news. I want you to love on them. I want you to encourage them. I want you to tell them what I've done for you. Good news grows, church. So three next step questions. First is, are you born again? You know whether or not you've ever received and repented and said, Jesus, I need you. Our heart is that we would start there today. If we've never done that, whether we're online or in person, start there. Secondly, are you growing in hope and holy living? Are you actually growing in a hope and a confident expectation and in holy living? Because it's available. It's ours. And third, how will you let the good news grow in and through you this week? Are you all ready for the adventure? Because our God is inviting us to more. And I believe good news is going to grow. I'm going to pray over us. As I do this, if you're online, grab those communion elements. If you're in here, get them ready. If you need them, don't have them. Our ushers will come around. But we're going to go into communion after I pray. Jesus, we love you and praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Father, we are in awe of what you have done for us. You have ransomed and resurrected us because you were resurrected. Father, forgive us for getting caught up in the chaos. Forgive us 
for not coming to you with our messiness. You are able to clean us up. You are the only one. And so Jesus, right now as we look to you, I just pray for your spirit to move in a mighty way, to encourage, to confirm, to meet us even in our confession. Fill us with you in new ways. Lead us forward and make good news, your good news, grow. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the beautiful things that Jesus left us with was something he modeled with his disciples. It was the act of receiving the Lord's Supper, or what we know as communion. If you pull out the, the wafer, the cracker, this actually symbolizes Jesus' body. Jesus was called the bread of life. And when we receive this, we're reminded of Jesus who took the cross, who was beaten within an inch of his life. 39 lashes, scripture teaches us. 40 was known as the death blow. Don't take it lightly because what he did for us is actually quite heavy. But it's that heaviness of what he did that when we receive it, lifts our burdens and suddenly we have a lightness we've never experienced because we aren't carrying our sin, we aren't carrying our baggage anymore. You also have the juice. It's his blood that was shed for us. A blood that is unlike ours, a blood that was human yet fully divine and sinless. When we receive the juice, we receive it with a heart, Scripture says, that should examine itself that's repentant, that's confessing our sins. And I want to tell you the good news is when we repent and confess, he is faithful and just to forgive. He washes over us and there is a moment where there may be tears and weeping, but there's also a rejoicing and a celebration that comes because of how good he has been to us. And so as we receive communion right now, I'm actually just, our team, we decided to just create this space because we're, we're going to receive it corporately and online, but you need to spend some time with the Lord. You need to have a, a minute or two where you're just examining, talking to the Lord, and if you want somebody to pray for you, you are welcome to come forward. We would love to pray for you before you actually receive communion. But I'm going to pray over the elements, and then we're going to worship and sing and you receive and take them when you're ready with the Lord. Amen. Father, we love you and thank you for these moments that remind us of how good and holy you are. And so, Father, as we enter into worship and enter into responding to you, I pray that your voice would be the loudest in this room. I come against the voices of shame, the voices of uh, just guilt and condemnation. We pray that in our confession and repentance, we would find freedom and joy. Father, we thank you for your death on the cross. We thank you for your resurrection, your blood that was shed that covers our sins. And as we all receive communion today, may your grace be poured out and wash over us. May your good news grow 
in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. So you take the elements as you feel ready. You stand and worship. You come forward. You do as the Lord leads. And our team is going to lead us into his presence.
to that hymn one more time. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. but the blood of Jesus. Just sitting there thinking, I've never felt more unworthy and yet worthy at the same time. Such a paradox, isn't it? That's what Jesus does when he shows up in our messiness and in our chaos. He says, hey, you can't, but I can. You aren't able, but I'm able. What you can't do, I can do. And I believe there's an invitation there that I hope we will walk in, not just in this moment, but throughout the week. I also believe that there may be somebody or somebodies online or even here in person that you came in in a bit of chaos and you really do need someone to pray over you and you need to know this is a safe place. We'll stay after and available to pray over you and with you and to believe that Jesus wants to show up and resurrect any situation. So that's available. If you're a visitor as we get ready to go, come to our Welcome Center. We'd love to give you a gift and connect with you. Men, I'm calling you out. You better show up tomorrow night at 6.30. All right? We got Cafe 66 for dinner. Hello? We have a great speaker. It's going to be a great launch to our men's group. We'd love to see you. Women, Wednesday at 6.30 if you haven't already found a group. Amen. Father, we love you and praise you and we thank you that it's nothing but the blood. Nothing but you, Jesus. You are everything. So we invite you to show up in everything this week. Be with us. May we be a people that is truly loving you and loving all people in our pathway. Be with us as we go. Give us a hunger and thirst for more of you and may good news grow in and through us. Help us to hold our tongue with the garbage and to share the good news. May we be your church this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. If you need prayer, we'll be up here. Go now and be the church.